Thank you for tuning in to the best parenting show on the internet. Post Daily Dose. Hey, 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 good evening, Facebook family, and welcome to another episode of Post Daily Dose with me, your trusted parenting advisor, faithful guide and servant on the healing journey. What's my name? Big Papa! Brian Post. Hope everyone's doing fantastic this Monday. It is good to be back in the home studio. And so good to be back with you. I hope you had a fantastic weekend. I hope you had a fantastic Mother's Day. You celebrated your mothers. And if you tuned into daily motivation, morning motivation, this morning, you know, I ask for you to continue celebrating it today as well. Because why not? Mothers are fantastic. Hello, Kirsten from the Netherlands. So, I'm going to veer off from my, my 10 Things Foster Parents Need to Know um, kind of series. Look at my hair. I'm going to be washing that stuff tomorrow night. Um, I'm going to veer off from that for just a moment. And I'm going to answer a couple questions that came on from a parent, uh, Melissa, not too long ago. And then I had another question come in from parents just recently. And so I might try to hit that one tomorrow. We'll see tomorrow um, is my mother's birthday. I'm not going to mention her age because she wouldn't like it if I did that. Hello, Stefan. Good morning to both you and Kirsten. Um, and if you're also tuning in the Netherlands and if you are Dutch, there will soon be the release of From Fear to Love, the Dutch translation by none other than Stefan Hubbers out of the Netherlands. So that's coming very soon, as is the Spanish translation. So we're very excited for both of those two things. So let's go ahead and dig right in so that we can maintain the fact that this is the best little 10-minute parenting show on the planet. Okay, so Melissa, this question is very, very long, so I'm going to go through it really quick. And uh, I'm just going to give you guys what pops off the top of my head. Melissa says uh, she's so many questions to ask. She's going to give me, she asks two specific ones. So background information, adopted daughter, Southeast Asia, 18 months of age. She's currently four. What does that tell us? That tells us that she's got a hyperdeveloped amygdala. She's got a delayed hippocampal development. So where her hippocampus should have come online at the age of three, we know that it's delayed. So it's not quite fully online. Melissa says she was born six to eight weeks premature, more amygdala sensitivity, more diminished hippocampal functioning, and delayed oxytocin, oxytocin development. So there's some hip, hypothalamus stuff going on there. Also some circadian rhythm stuff, considering she was in, in uh, orphanage at, for up to 18 months. Um, so from zero to 18, so she was born six to eight weeks premature and spent the first six months in the hospital before being transferred to an orphanage. So for six months in the hospital, so we know there's a lot of diminished hypothalamic activity, which is her oxytocin response. We know that there is an overdeveloped amygdala, which is her fear receptor in her brain. And we know that there is an underdeveloped hippocampus, which is her ability to think clearly and begin to calm herself. Her birth mother was very ill during her pregnancy, which speaks to more of the same, more cortisol, decreased oxytocin. My daughter's orphanage was claimed that, mm -mm, that doesn't matter. Um, so before I, let me read what I'm, what I'm, what I'm saying, that doesn't matter. Melissa said, my daughter's orphanage was clean and well-managed. Um, 
that yeah that doesn't make you that's like nothing um but extremely institutional and i would liken it to living in a primitive hospital yes okay so you you kind of get it the staff appeared to be caring but the schedule was rigid and stimulation was low yeah all that is you know all that even even without all that just the first six months of her life is setting her up to be fear stress sensitive and fearful just the first six months i mean that 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 alone um is is some uh, developmental is going to be some developmental arrested or, or arrest some arrestment so um so my daughter's very engaging and delightful person to be around when she's in her window of tolerance aren't we all when she's operating outside of her window of tolerance she tends to either be in an overexcited chaotic state or raging i'm a single parent which adds to my demands god bless you melissa because yes that is a lot um so she's got two questions one is bedtime since her arrival home my daughter has woken during the night in spells of full rage okay this was especially common during her first six months home and has reemerged over the past six months with her sometimes waking five to six times a night the reasons for her wakings don't appear to be specific nightmares being cold, hot, wet diapers, lost toy, etc. But she seems to have lost the ability to get herself back to sleep and initially whines quickly, turns into a full-blown rage that I have little ability to resolve. I have moved her into my bedroom and tried my best to meet her demands, but I am honestly not sure if this is helping or harming her potential to sleep. In the evening when I am still awake, we will typically go through a cycle of my offering support, her refusing it, and then asking for songs and cuddles. Wanting cuddles is new. She will eventually settle, but each episode is long and feels disruptive to both of us. In addition to this, I really struggle with responding to rage in the middle of the night. In the light of day, I think I am sensitive to my daughter's needs, and I plan my soothing nighttime responses, but I seem to lose all my capacity when woken in the middle of the night by someone yelling at me. I know it's not personal, but I feel angry in response and not drawn into comfort. I don't know how to make myself behave differently than when I'm half asleep. Do you have any suggestions or insights? I will add in that my daughter has also begun having night terrors in the past six to eight months, but these don't seem as problematic. She sounds distressed, but she is not awake and they come and go within a few minutes. All right, fantastic. That's number one. We're going to just assimilate all that information into Big Papa's little pea brain. Now let's read number two. Bottles. You have recommended bottle feeding on multiple occasions for children who miss this type of experience in early development, which my daughter clearly did. I feel that something like this might be beneficial to her. In our early days, my daughter seemed much older than her 18 months and was overly independent, but she currently loves to be babied and regularly remind me that she is my teeny tiny baby. However, I don't find our body feeding attempts pleasant. My daughter was NG tube fed when she was in the hospital for her early days and still relying on bottles for her nutrition at the time of her adoption. However, she mostly refused them from that point onward. And when she did take a bottle, would pop it in and out of her mouth rather than drink from it and not let me touch her during these times. I was committed to bottle feeding because I knew it was important, but let it go when she was about 24 months of 24 months, and it was a huge relief. It's clear to me that my daughter has a complicated feeding history and that bottles are part of this. I'm just not sure if this is something we should continue to attempt or if the stress and awkwardness are an indicator that this is not a path to healing for her. At this point, she loves the idea of bottles and will sit with me, but she will not drink from them. Thank you. 
All right, Melissa, that's good. Thank you so much um, for those questions. Hmm. All right. So those are great questions. Let me tell you the first thing that comes to my mind, Melissa. The very first thing that comes to my mind is I wonder how night times were handled for you when you were small. I wonder how your parents responded or reacted to your cries, to your to your nighttime fears. And I just wonder what your first three years of life were like. So that would be the first place I would ask you to just give some thought and consideration to. It sounds like her infantile needs are really triggering for you. Um, and when you have a big reaction to something, it's usually because there's an emotional tie-in. So there's probably a story there. It, act, it almost reminds me, and I don't know your, your personal story, but it reminds me of the, the little girl that John Bowlby studied back in the 50s um, when she was being raised by her mother. Um, the mom used to set her on the lap to on her lap flat to feed her so no holding and no real close contact and there was never really any affection and then they followed this 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 child um into her she was 25 30 years old she had a baby and she actually babied her baby the exact same way fed her baby reacted responded to her in the exact same way and so what john bulby ascertained from that is that we mothered the way we were mar the, the way we were mothered. That's his famous his famous quote. That we mothered the way we were mothered. Mothered that the first three years of our lives established the blueprints for all of our future relationships. So what I say to that is that we parent the way we were parented, and we have to learn to find the balance in that because typically. If we, if we did not like the way we were parented, we'll go to another extreme, and that's just one extreme to the next, and you got to find a balance because of all, you know, everything that your parents did was not negative because you are who you are, and you are a great person, so you have to take the good with the bad, find that balance, and that also it's not just the first three years of our lives, it's from conception all the way up to I'll save them five. So that's the very first thing I would ask you to do, Melissa, is really slow down and give a little bit of time. I bet you and your daughter both have an, having a a stress and overwhelm reaction when she's when she's stressed in the middle of the night. I bet you're I bet you're feeling like a sad baby too. She's feeling like a sad baby. You're feeling like a sad baby, a scared baby, and it's making it really kind of challenging for both of you. And so. You know, the first thing you mentioned was bedtime. Thank God. I mean, you you see that that's see just naturally you've already put your daughter in in your room. Um, that's a good thing. You put her put her next to you. See, the thing that's going to make all the difference is when you connect to what that overwhelm is for you. So whatever that emotional reaction that reaction you're having that's causing you to want to go away from her. I would you know what hap what happened when you were a child around nighttime. Nighttime is not a pleasant, it's not a pleasant time for you. There was something stressful that happened for you around nighttime and you've got to make that connection because what's going on 
is your child's distress in the middle of the night is opening up your brainstem and stirring up some memories for you. And that's what's making it so hard for you guys to get through this, not just this nighttime, but this whole bottling thing. Because the bottling thing is very important. In fact, I, I would say it's an essential component of what you do. And the fact that she doesn't want a bottle has nothing to do with the fact that she doesn't need it. It has everything to do with the fact that she lived in a, an orphanage for for you know some of the deepest most imprinting stages of her early life and her brain development and so in some ways a bottle can be triggering for her you know that level of nurturing but then you you're talking about the feeding tube she doesn't even she doesn't even have those those early imprints for sucking and nursing that a baby typically gets so you're you're reworking that and in the rework this is why it's so important because in the reworking of helping her and this and you this is going to require you to be really tuned in really present you've got to see you've got to see an overwhelmed baby that's what you've got to see when when you see raging when you say raging i really struggle with responding to rage that's somebody else's rage. That's somebody else's stuff. You can't see this as a rage from your four-year-old. You've got to see this as sheer terror. It is sheer terror. It is sheer overwhelm, sheer terror. She feels all alone. She's in, in, a, in a crib all by herself again, and she's wailing, and she has, she has no imprints that any adult's going to come and take care of her. So that's the way you have to see that. Anytime a parent tells me that they're seeing a child as, as having rage, the only reason you're seeing rage is because you're feeling completely overwhelmed and stressed out by, by her emotional expression. And so I really want to encourage you to see a terrified child. Stop looking at her as raging and see her as being terrified and soothe her from a place of terror. But first, you've got to soothe your own place of terror. It's really hard if you're scared and she's scared, it's really hard for you to be able to soothe her. So you gotta soothe your own baby. And that's that's probably gonna sound pretty overwhelming for you, but there's something in that. I'm not sure what it is exactly, but I know there's something in that. It just in my gut tells me there's something in that. Soothe your own baby and then soothe her. See a terrified child, don't see a raging child. And if you need to turn on a light to make your, to help you feel better, whatever you need to be able to calm yourself down during that moment is, is what's gonna be most important. She doesn't have the ability to soothe herself. She's got too much, she's not developmentally on track to even have enough sufficient hippocampal development nor hypothalamic activity to be able to soothe herself back to sleep. She's far too young. And you're, this could, this, I'm just gonna be honest with you. If you if you will if you can really conquer what your own reactions are, you guys are probably looking at about a a uh, Gareth chimed in here. Thank you, Gareth. He says babies in a NICU are awakened every two to four hours for diaper changes and feeding. They can put an oral gastric tube for feeding. It is a brutal transition. So, you know, you're talking about these deep imprints that your baby has for not even being able to to be able to sleep through the night like a baby that would be in a healthy environment comes from just from the fact that she was she was in the hospital for so long and you know we don't know all all of how they handle things in China but um you know just probably on par with what Gareth is saying so um uh so what I was going to say is if you can if you can 
make a connection to what it is with this crying and this overwhelm in the middle of the night that's making you feel so stressed because that's what it's doing. It's triggering something for you. If you can just work on just meeting her needs, seeing her as a terrified baby, a terrified baby in the middle of the night, that's how I want you to approach it before you go to bed. I want you to approach it that way in the middle of the night. See, here's a terrified baby. I want you guys getting skin to skin. Skin to skin. Take your shirt off. Get her shirt off. Get skin to skin with her. And it's going to be a little overwhelming for her, but you've got to rework some imprints in her brain, some pathways in her brain. And keep working on the bottle feeding. And when she when she has a hard time with it, when she keeps spitting it out, she doesn't know how. That's why she keeps she doesn't know how to receive it. She doesn't just just think you you're you're taking you're taking this this child who did not get these did not get these early needs met. It's not just about the needs, it's pathways in her brain, it's synaptic connections. It, it's memory that didn't get formed that she doesn't have to be able to build upon. So you're actually having to rework some of that. So I'd stop looking at her as four and I'd go back to just kind of looking at her anywhere between six and 12 months, especially around nighttime. You're dealing with an infant and especially around bottling. You are dealing with an infant, 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 feed your infant baby. Meet your infant baby. And that's going to help you when you can see that that's going to help some of that anxiety that you're also experiencing because there's there's a connection in her distress that's making you feel overwhelmed and scared and that's what's triggering your anger you you're, you're angry you're not angry you're scared you're stressed and you're scared so you got to see that within yourself and then yeah keep working on that bottling thing it's very important um and just see you're feeling rejected too See, when you, when you said she pops it in and out of her mouth and rather than drink it and she won't let you touch her during these times, it's real easy to feel rejected by that. So I think that's probably stirring up some more of your stuff. Um, let's, let's go with that. Let's, let's, here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. I'm going to encourage you to um, dig into some of that early stuff. You know, think about it, talk to your mom about it, whatever you need to do. Make that more consciously aware for you. Realize that you're getting triggered in the midst of her being triggered, which makes it really hard for you to be able to soothe her because when she's needing oxytocin, you're actually amping up her cortisol a little bit. So work on work on that. Um, yes, yeah, Stefan says, how about using a pacifier cap with a big hole so she doesn't need to do doesn't have to suck so much. Um, yeah, that's, that's a, you could, that's a step, but I don't, she's, so Melissa said she'll pop it in her mouth rather than drink from it at all. So she's not drinking from it at all. Um, make sure it's got something sweet in it. I always encourage like warm milk, maybe a coconut milk with some molasses or, or some honey in it. So it's sweet. So it mimics, um, breast milk. I, I'm, I'm going to say Try to try to calm down your own re reaction. Stick with her. See her, as, see her as a scared infant. You know, at around nighttime, you're a six, six to twelve month old. Do more skin to skin. She wants to be your baby. She's excited about being your baby. She is your baby. Make her feel safe. Make yourself let your allow yourself to feel safe. And let's work on that for a couple weeks. Let's give that a couple weeks. Let's just get everyone calmed down. In the middle of the night when she moves into distress, the first thing I need you to do is start breathing. 
Start breathing and tell yourself you're okay. That's what I want you to say to yourself. She starts to feel a little distressed right now. Right now, what's happening, she gets a little distressed and your anxiety goes up. So you kind of go away from her. So I'm going to ask you to breathe. Take three to ten deep breaths. <sighs> Middle of the night, relax your body. And just let, say to yourself, I'm okay. I'm okay. I want you to say, I want you to repeat that to yourself. And then I want you to say to her, you're okay. Mama's here. So don't turn the light on. Don't turn the light on. Leave the lights off. Just say, Mama's here. Hum a little song. Mama's got you. And if you think she may be hungry at all, keep a little bottle right next to the bed. Right? So make sure she gets plenty of food before sleep. If you think she may be hungry at all, keep a little bottle right beside the bed. Skin to skin is going to be really important. But soothe Soothe both of you need to be soothed. Work with this for a couple weeks. Don't worry about the fact that, you know, don't. this is what gets her sleep regulated. This is what gets her online with her sleep. This is what helps her learn to sleep better. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that if you can maintain this consistently, you've probably got about a year. I would give this anywhere from a good six months to a year of helping get her sleep really regulated. And then she'll really be able to calm herself back to sleep. But this is, you know, this is going to be a, this is a, a bit of a process. But give it the next couple weeks. Just do, do what I'm telling you to do over the next couple weeks. I think you're going to see a, a reduction in both of your anxiety. I think that's going to help a great deal. And I think as soon as you can help her start to relax a little bit more during bedtime and around bottling, I think you're going to be relaxing too. And I think that's going to help both of you. So let's go with that. Check back in with me in a couple weeks. Make sure you listen to this a few times and, um, you know, let us know. Follow up with us and let us know what's going on. All right, guys, that's it. We have exceeded our greatest 10-minute parenting show on the planet by about 20 minutes. So remember, in any given situation, we always have two choices. We can continue to react, and a lot of times that's unconscious. We're reacting from our imprints of fear and stress and overwhelm, and we don't even know it. But we can stop when we start to feel that. We can slow down. We can take three to ten deep breaths, and by doing that, we're choosing love. And sometimes you just got to say, I'm safe. I'm okay. I'm not going to die. Everything's going to be okay. And then offer that same thing to your child. Big Papa loves you. Have a fantastic evening. And remember, you matter. You're important. You're a great parent. You're a great parent. Just for tuning in here every day. You're a great parent. And it's not just about what you're doing with your children today or tomorrow or even for the next year. It's about what you're doing for the lineage of your family. You're changing your family's DNA. And that makes you a superstar in my book. All right. Have a good night. <laughs>